Good morning and welcome to the Daily Ding. Happy first game of the finals day to everybody out there. We appreciate you guys sticking with us during the longest NBA season in history. I'm Dave DeFore, joined by my man Big Waz. What's up, Wozny? I'm good, man. It's crazy for you to say that um, the finals are upon us. It makes me think about LA Clippers Media Day last <laughs> year, like a year ago. Um, you know, that was my first ever media day. Uh, a couple of things I remember from that day. One was that this was the first time I'd ever seen Kawhi Leonard in person, and this dude is jacked. I'm like, this is he's a huge. Free, he's a beast. <laughs> yeah, like you don't have an appreciation for how built that guy is. I remember that. I remember being um sort of awestruck by Kawhi's physique. And I just remember the confidence that permeated throughout the entire Clippers organization from front office to, you know, guys who work on the on the media side to just everybody. Uh, just there was just a confidence emanating from that room from and it was, you know, it was from within the Clippers organization, the doc to everybody to you know, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, they seemed very confident. They seemed very comfortable. Very, like, they just knew they were going to go on to do great things this year. And um, here we are. So hearing you say that makes me think about that media day. Here we are. And the Clippers are not there. Uh, funny how that stuff works out. Lakers and Heat, man. Yep. This, is, uh, this is, you know, I, I actually thought the Lakers would make the finals. Uh, all year, uh, you know, I, there were parts where it was like, oh, man, the Clippers have a lot of talent and, you know, you can't go against Kawhi. But the way the Lakers just came out of the gate. Opening day, you know, just ready to roll everybody. I, I thought that setting that sort of tone early w was really important for them. And meanwhile, the heat kind of snuck up on everybody. You know, they were the fifth seed. The team is completely different than it was before the trade deadline. I mean, completely different. And then, obviously, things in the bubble have been tilted to the extreme, especially for Miami. The Bucks, you know, obviously were no, were no contest for for what they had going on. You know, Bucks Lakers was was my thing all year, and uh, you know, the Lakers were able to pull it out somehow. Um, those underdog Lakers. Yeah, you know what? Um, I've been participating in a bit of a meme slash bit slash it's a good bit though. comedy routine on Twitter about the Lakers being underdogs, which isn't obviously not the case, right? I, I but I think there's a little truth to my trolling in the sense that, and I'm gonna say this over and over again: people trashed the Lakers off season. They just did. That was mm -hmm. the feeling. Coming out of the summer, coming out of the pursuit of Kawhi Leonard, there was a sense that Kawhi very shrewdly strung them along as great free agents were sort of getting snatched up while they waited for him to make the decision that he was always going to come to as a way for Kawhi to stick it to the Lakers who were going to end LeBron, who were essentially would become his chief rivals out west and in his own city. Right. Um, they had to settle for, you know, Danny Green and, and Rajon Rondo and Avery Bradley and, um, you know, Jared Dudley. These moves. Dwight were, Howard. 
Dwight Howard was, we made was fun actually, of, of course, was in, in, in Dwight who ended up being probably their most important role player this season because of what he did for their defense. Um, they only signed him after Boogie Cousins went down. Right. Right. <laughs> and so, and of course, there was the chat that they gave up too much for Anthony Davis. Uh, people, and you know, it's easy to forget now, Dave, but in February, when the New Orleans trade never went through, and of course, Magic is quitting on the last day of the season, and it was just like, <laughs> wow, the Lakers are an embarrassment. All the stuff, the back and forth in the press, Rob Palinka doesn't know the cap rules, and all of this stuff. They got killed, okay? And so there was a sense going into the season, and you know, people like my buddy Bon Temps was like, I wouldn't be surprised if this team didn't finish over 500. You know, um, and I loved him, Bontemps, and I don't mean to denigrate his Western New York accent, but he was very uh, voiceful. My man Winhorst over there at ESPN, very skeptical. A lot of people, people within the company were skeptical. Um, and there was this sense, even after the Lakers started, very hot start, like 17-3 and three or something crazy like that. And even though, you know, I think Habistro... Either Habistro or Pelton, I'm sorry, I don't remember who it was that first wrote this piece. But it was essentially like, after the first 20 games, we basically got what we got, right? Like, the teams that are good after the first 20, historically, are the teams that are good by the time the season ends, so on and so forth. And even still, there was just this creeping Lakers skepticism all season long. As they established themselves as one of the top tier teams, I think a pecking order was established within the minds of who I call NBA thought leaders that look, there's the three teams at the top, the Lakers, the Clippers, and the Bucks. And Dave, you know this, there was a sense that the two teams for real, for real, were mm -hmm. really the Clippers and the Bucks. Those were the teams. Lakers skepticism basically permeated the whole entire season and then of course the season ends abruptly we restarted in the bubble they clinched basically two games into the bubble and proceed to do nothing they coast for the rest of the bubble after clinching their seating and everybody that same creeping skepticism that started in the summer of july 2019 continues like well this might be the best eighth seed of all time now because to they're be getting fair, back Nurkic, on. and they're doing now, this. The Lakers are going to have be fair. This is going to be a such and such and such. To be fair, was people started having creeping doubts about the Bucks because of their bubble play too, and they happen to be right. So you know, you, you can't just that's completely fair. discount. That's fair because we've done we, this before with LeBron. But we right? that's but where see, we, that's the difference. We give though, them Dave. the pass for coasting, and then when those those problems that are present. Because, you know, they coasted, like their playoff defense in Cleveland the last few years, right? Where they struggled a little bit in the first round uh, against the Pacers. And it was sure. Like, well, this is kind of what they did all year, but we thought they'd flip a switch. So, uh, to, I but get what made, you're they, saying. But they but would I eventually wanna... make the finals, Dave, is what I'm saying. Like, the last few years, LeBron's teams lost to the greatest ensemble of talent in the history of right, the game. Right. Right? Like, the context matters, right? 
Um, so the fact that the Lakers clinched and treated everything else as an exhibition, I thought, whatever. We don't need to relitigate that. I'm just I'm just giving the 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 listener a history of the Lakers season thus far. And of course, Houston, there was those creeping suspicions. The Rockets matchup is a bad one for them. They're gonna spread them out. They're gonna do this. Who's gonna go? I don't know harder? why anybody blah, blah, blah. thought that. The the team the, the team that barely could beat OKC, right? Like I, it like it it was insanity. But again, it's I'm not like the Lakers you, don't have talent though. No, See, this but is my the thing. origins, you could, Dave, is in the same thing. There was a sense that this team was never that good. That every nobody thought they were that good, and they kept saying it, kept doing it. They kept finding reasons to pick against the Lakers. LeBron legitimately could have won MVP this year, and sure. and I think it. Like I, I do believe Giannis was the the rightful MVP, but if LeBron had won, I don't think anybody could argue. They would have said, "Wow, it was a tough choice." Because I think even with Giannis clearly having a better season, it was still a tough choice because of the way LeBron plays. Right, like leading the league in assists. I, I think that's a big deal to score the way he does. They had a great defense, and guess what? He was a part of that. I, there, there were a lot of things there. I don't know how anybody could say, "Look at what LeBron just did." And he's got Anthony Davis on his team. <laughs> and, you know, KCP is a good player. Danny Green, we know what he does in the playoffs. I don't care what he's done up to this point. Y'all know what's going to happen in the finals. Rondo is playing like playoff Rondo, which somehow happens. And I always say, ah, it's not going to happen. And it just yeah, happens anyway. Same. Right? Same. Uh, you've got Caruso who comes off the bench with great energy, who who – just fits into that system the way he cuts. I mean, him and LeBron have great chemistry. I don't know how you can watch that all year and say, oh, yeah, they're definitely not going to make the finals. I could get if you say that they might lose to the Clippers, even if they lost to the Nuggets, because the Nuggets are a good team. Like, the Lakers aren't perfect. And we've gotten so used to the a Warriors and their perfection. Content- yes. Right? The we were used to a perfect, juggernaut. We were used to a perfect favorite. Favorites are rarely perfect. (laughs) Favorites are usually have flaws that can be exploited. Just like they're favorites because the most likely outcome might be a victory for them, but it's not the guaranteed outcome. And I think that's what went into all of the optimism for the Clippers. It's the sense that the, the favorite of the three years prior basically took them losing two of their top three to injury for them to lose. Right. Right. Um, And so we were used to that level of dominance. So it's like, all right, this is the new favorite and they're going to dominate. But it's like, no, the history of the NBA is littered with favorites who didn't win. Right. And and so I think Cleveland Cavaliers, the first the first year the Warriors won. Exactly. They were they were the new super. They were going to be the new heat. Right. Exactly. And And then the Warriors come out of nowhere. Exactly. And, um, you know, I think that's what sort of the thought was all season long. And, you know, as the playoffs always show, your warts are going to show. And the Lakers have been able to withstand their warts and make it to the finals. Now, if we can get into the matchup, Dave, I think the Heat obviously present problems that they didn't. They haven't faced us far in the playoffs. I don't. I think, with the exception of probably Houston, who could get to a level of great defense, although because of the nature of their squad, like the effort it requires for that collection of players to play yeah. great defense was so great. The effort required was so great. 
it was almost impossible for them to sustain it for 48 minutes. And that's the only sort of good, any that's the only defense that could be categorized as good that the Lakers have faced so far in the playoffs. And I think Miami is the first time in the playoffs they're playing a bona fide great defense. And not just that the personnel is great, Dave. I know you and I both share an affinity for Eric Spolster's coaching ability. Like, when you combine the personnel with that level of coaching, the Lakers haven't faced this problem yet. Exactly. And and if we're just looking on paper, talent for talent, I think the Lakers, because of LeBron and AD, I don't give a shit who else is on that roster. That's the talent matchup, right? Like, there's already been a lot of, well, you know, if Miami role players can beat the Lakers. No. <laughs> okay, I want to get it. LeBron and AD. Listen, <laughs> they have to beat LeBron and AD. They don't yes. have to beat the Lakers role players. Right. Um. If if Rondo scores 40 points, which he won't, <laughs> right? Then okay, now you got okay, yes, maybe you got beat by a role player. But but Miami is a team full of role players, I would argue. Yes, certainly they've got high-end talent. But we talked about this on Buds the other day. They didn't have a 20 point per game scorer in the regular season. Jimmy was at like 19.8 or something. So it's a great little stat that doesn't really mean a whole lot. But they have an egalitarian offense. Their guys are stars on defense when they're stars. You get Bam, you got Jimmy, who is like the greatest clutch player in the NBA for like the last five years. Kind of insane. And so they've got to beat LeBron and Anthony Davis. You Let Alex Caruso take all the uncontested threes you want. Nobody cares. You got to contain LeBron and AD. This is what people need to understand when you're talking about "quote unquote" role players or non-stars. Um, just by the nature of LeBron's superstardom, and you know, however you want to describe his game, the role guys are not asked to do things that they not they are not good at doing. They're only asked to do the things that they're good at. Nobody else is good because the Lakers don't have anybody else besides LeBron and Rondo who can dribble the basketball. Nobody, literally, nobody else is tasked with initiating offense. Right. It's their job. So for forty minutes of the game, it's LeBron initiating offense against you. It's LeBron trying to solve your defense. It doesn't matter that Danny Green can't handle. It doesn't matter that Kuzma can't do it. it doesn't matter that that's not in KCP's you know list of um, attributes. Because they're not asked to do that. Your role players have to do what they're asked to do, which in the Lakers' case is essentially make wide open shots. <laughs> that's, that's well, that's your job. And now on conversely, offense, though, anyway, on offense, all right, defense is where it's going to be a problem. Kicking ass on defense, they have been, but they haven't played a team like this. They haven't. Five guys that all move. Now Denver was pretty close. And and I think L.A. struggled a little bit defensively with with Denver. Now they t- they were able to tighten up when they needed to, but they there were soft spots there. So I do think it is an interesting matchup. And I think on paper, you pick the Lakers every single day. Then when you add the context of okay, well, Spolstra is the coach. Jimmy Butler and Bam are are on that team, and the way that they use their role players like Duncan Robinson. Very similar to the Lakers. They're not asking Duncan Robinson to go out there and run pick and roll. No. This is this is the difference between a franchise like Miami or what the Lakers have done this year, 
compared to a team like the Clippers, where they're trying to get a guy like Landry Shamit to initiate offense. Landry Shamit in Miami could be Duncan Robinson. Right. He could be that in in the clip uh, for the Clippers. Right. But they just would give him the ball and tell him to do stuff. And we know that they weren't putting in the right. development time. They didn't practice. And I think that it's such a good point that you made, Waz. Good coaching, good organizations, they put their players in the best position to succeed. Mm-hmm. And both of these teams have done that all year. Difference is Miami made big changes at the trade deadline, like huge yeah. changes. Jay Crowder has been massive for them. I mean, yep. super important. He's probably going to guard LeBron some in this series. I bet he's going to guard Anthony Davis some in this series. So yeah. they, they have they now have bodies that the they def- didn't have. The, the in personnel December. again. The, the the Lakers haven't faced a collection of defensive talent of to the level of the Miami Heat yet in the playoffs, and so. Everybody keeps talking about the zone, which I, I honestly think if you put AD in the middle of a 2-3 zone and let him flow to you to death, that's not a recipe for success, in my opinion. That's the shot he wants to get to anyway. I, I just think they'll be able to switch up and diversify their looks enough that for the first time all playoffs, I believe the Lakers' offense mm-hmm. will be bothered. I think what people It's going to be guessing. Right, yes. where I, I, they haven't they had haven't to do been, that yet. The offense hasn't been made to be uncomfortable yet in the entire postseason. Um, you know, the 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 Houston Rockets, God bless them, the effort that they gave. Their tallest guy was six eight. That's just not going to get it done against AD. You're not making him uncomfortable that way. You have to throw fight length with length, and the Rockets didn't possess that personnel. Now Miami, on the other hand, can do that. Um, Bam Adebayo has probably been the best defensive player in the entire NBA playoffs, right? He's a depoy level defensive talent. And so I think, again, the Heat are going to present tough, tough matchups. You mentioned Crowder. Of course, Iguodala won an MVP for slowing LeBron down to 30-point triple-double in the finals. Um, don't even <laughs> get me started on that. Um, but But aside from that, he's actually a good defender. You can feel at least mildly confident of leaving one guy on LeBron because we know when you send two at LeBron, that's a recipe for poison, poisonous death for your defense. And so I like what they can do defensively. I just think the Lakers are going to stop them. That's what I think. I think the Lakers' defense, which hasn't gotten the glory throughout the playoffs, but they've been the best unit of the Lakers thus far, especially when you consider the offensive challenges that were presented to that defense by Denver, by Houston, by um, Portland, who we can all laugh at, but we know what they do is offense. And the Lakers stopped them. And so I think the Lakers' defense and Vogel, we, we, we praise Spo, Dave, but Vogel has been damn good in the playoffs with adjustments and, um, uh, you know, and just coming up with schemes and strategies to stop guys. The, the one issue is the three-point shooting. Miami can really shoot the three, and I have concerns about the Lakers guarding on the perimeter. We know they can pack the paint, right? So we know that the, the pick and roll with Bam Adebayo and Goran Dragic probably not going to be as effective. Like we know that going in, because you got Anthony Davis, you got Dwight Howard, you got LeBron, yeah. you know, backline help, Superman. But if they can get guys open the way that they know how to do, you know, running those wide pin downs, running those dribble handoffs, getting guys open shots, Miami has the ability 
to avalanche you when they get hot. Now, the Lakers can can keep up because they're going to get their buckets inside. I mean, it's just going to happen. But I do wonder if the if if Miami can get enough volume to create a math problem for the Lakers. But this series is it's going to be a chess match. Vogel is a really good coach. I mean, he's not on Spolster's level, but who you know, is? What is it? Three or four coaches, maybe. <laughs> you know, exactly. You know, exactly. in that top tier. We're talking about the creme de la creme. In, right, right. In, in what is, I actually think Eric Spolster is one of the five or six best coaches to ever coach the game of basketball in a way that we can look at and say, yeah, that guy's a great coach. Yeah, I, you know, I, which basically in the, means in the, the modern era, I, I, yeah. I would not He's disagree incredible. with you. He's an amazing coach. Yeah. And he's pushed the envelope. Of the game of basketball. You know, I put him up there. It's like Mike D'Antoni and, and Greg Popovich. Just the way that, I mean, he has tested the boundaries of, of I mean, what just NBA the concept of positionless basketball. Yep. Um, the, 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 the concept that he would invert Bosch and Braun in that Miami Heat offense and make Bosch the perimeter guy and Braun the post guy. He's, I, I, I got too much love and respect for Spolstra as a coach. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I just think. It is going to be a fascinating series, not just on the court, but I think the the coaching chess match is going to be pretty good too. And Vogel's been fantastic all year. So uh, this is shaping up to be one of my favorite finals ever, I think. Because no, yeah. t- neither team is perfect. It kind of reminds me of the, the back-to-back Spurs-Heat series. Because we knew both teams weren't perfect. Because we'd already seen the Heat struggle in in the finals, even. And, and, and you it, know what? It, we, it we wound up to, being that chess match. We talked to our friend Tom Habistro on um, Hoops Adjacent today. That'll be out today as well. When you guys are hearing this, Hoops Adjacent will also be out. And we talked to, to Tom about the Lakers and the Heat and all of those things. Um, and he said this Heat team actually reminds him of another Miami-related team, but it's the Dallas Mavericks of 2011. Um, just a collection of Wiley vets who were clicking at the right time, and just mm-hmm. they just they just have a winning sort of way about them. I don't know how to describe what the Heat are doing because they haven't blown these teams out. They're just winning every game, you know. Like they're not overwhelming teams because they don't have that overwhelming talent. But the the way to which they're playing team ball on both ends, you know, playing on a string, as Spolster likes to say on defense, and just the movement, the way they, they can attack you from any single place, all three levels of the court and all five guys on the court at the same time. It's just, you know, it's just been amazing to watch. And I think the synergy around them is incredible, which is going to make this a closer series than honestly, I think it has a right being. Um, I know we have to move on to Doc Rivers, yeah. but uh, I, I think the Lakers are going to take this in six games. I think the defense is going to win the day, and um, I think LeBron is going to earn his fourth NBA championship, man. I, I hope it goes seven. I, I'm really rooting for it to go seven because I think it's going to wind up being an all-time final series. It, it could be really, really fantastic, and, and in particular because – the two teams kind of arrived there the different you know in different ways. I mean, of course, Miami got Jimmy Butler as a free agent, but the rest of those guys, I mean, you know, they got Goron years ago. They tried to give him away before the season, and Dallas wouldn't take him. I, I just you know it's uh, it's going to be a fascinating matchup, but I'm really looking forward to it. Speaking of Doc Rivers, uh, the 
Clippers and Doc Rivers have, have decided to part ways. Waz, Yovan Buha has been on this all year for us over at The Athletic. Got a great story up right now that lays down the whole timeline after their exit from the bubble and sort of the thinking of the Clippers. Uh, this felt like it probably should have happened, but none of us expected it to happen. Yeah, I think, you know, NBA teams tend to be risk averse. Um, the Lake, the, the Clippers undoubtedly had one of the three or four best teams in the NBA, put together a dope season, even as underachieving as they were. Um, and Doc is, you know, universally accepted as a good NBA coach. If you don't think he's, you know, Pat Riley, a Red Auerbach, or Phil Jackson, that's fine. But nobody could accuse Doc Rivers of being a bad NBA coach. He's good. Um, and so it's very risky to get rid of Doc Rivers in this moment. That being said, um, I, I, I just think with great expectations come great consequences. You know, and sometimes those consequences are good, right? Like, let the Clippers have gone out and won the championship this year. Um, toast to the town, toast to the NBA. Doc Rivers is a made man for life there. Um, and so on and so on, so forth. Just by winning what nine more games than they did this season, right? Um, but because things fell the way that they did, it's going the other way. Doc Rivers is gone. There's going to have to be a sort of culture reset within that organization. Because let's face it, Dave, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George may be the Clippers' two best players. They are not their leaders. They no. don't set the tone. That was Doc Rivers doing that. And to a slightly lesser extent, the, the holdovers from that scrappy team from last season um, as far as Lou Williams and Patrick Beverly, right? And so I think what you're seeing here is a shifting of that culture in there. And th there's no better way to achieve that, Dave, than having been embarrassed and have egg all over your face publicly. You know, and get your names dragged through the mud. I think these guys are going to be determined. I think they're going to come back with a better attitude. I don't think, you know, I doubt that Kawhi Leonard's going to eat shrimp for two hours before he talks to media after games next season. Or at least there's oh, some hope. Oh, I, no, that's still happening, thinking. bro. Yeah, um, no, no, no. That stuff's not changing. <laughs> that, that stuff's not changing. I will tell you right now, my expectation is there are going to be wholesale roster changes. I think Lou Williams and, and Trez Harrell probably won't be there next year. Okay. I, we'll see about Patrick Beverly. I mean, he is like an asset for them if they want to make some upgrades. But they, they need to upgrade that roster first and foremost. But they definitely need to figure out the leadership issue. And maybe maybe if they promote Ty Lue, Ty Lue's that guy. You know, he was there all year. Yeah, let's but, talk about that. Let's talk well, about but that. He, here's my question, though, for you, Waz. If you had locker room issues and Ty Lue was there – do you feel like promoting him to the head coach? Like, is he sort of tainted I mean, by this season? Like, Dave, that's the, what I would the, be the, worried the about. The obvious answer is it worked in Cleveland. <laughs> and listen, Ty Lue's a fantastic coach and would 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 but probably do a better job coaching this team, I think. It's a, it's a similar setup. Like, they got rid of the coach of a 30-10 and 10 team, Dave. Okay, like the team was successful and they got rid of him and they brought Ty Lue in. And guess what? Um, One, I'm on record as saying this. I'm of the belief that Ty Lue is the best coaching candidate on the market. For sure. Um, just I his agree championship with you. pedigree. Obviously, like 
You cannot say he didn't coach his ass off in that 2016 finals. And then getting to the finals subsequently, of course, 2017 um, Cavs are going to be lost to history, but that was a damn good team. Yeah. And then, of course, Kyrie leaves, and that team had no business in any, anybody's NBA finals. And they got to the finals again, right? Um, I think Ty Lue did a great job. Um, I think... Especially, I think about 2016 a lot because this guy had the balls. We talk about, remember we talked about Mike D'Antoni not having the juice to bench Russell Westbrook because it was the best thing to do for his team. Ty Lue was playing Richard Jefferson geriatric ass over Kevin Love in the finals because he knew that was the best way for his team to win. I don't care about your all-stars, all-NBA, your salary. We're bringing in a veteran minimum guy to play minutes over you. Um, well, they were able to run LeBron's little pet elbow rub exactly Richard Jefferson with that now. pass all the time come so, on now and, are, and, but, and and again and and my last point because I am blabbing mm-hmm. on here is he commanded the respect of LeBron James mm-hmm. he took no shit from LeBron James as a rookie coach and so he has the pedigree he's a former player so he has that cachet he's shown his coaching chops at the highest level I just think he's the obvious candidate yeah, I mean, he, he's. I agree with you. He's the best coach on the market right now. Um, I, I just worry about the, you know, the taint being left over from from this previous season. Here's the other thing: it's hard to build chemistry if you don't have a chemistry builder. LeBron is a chemistry builder. The Lakers are able to make this wholesale roster change that they made with a new coach. Remember, Frank Vogel. This is his first year. They threw everything out too last summer. To a certain degree. But LeBron is instant chemistry with everybody. I mean, he is literally a chemistry set. Kawhi Leonard's not that. Paul George is not that. You know, we saw Kawhi go to Toronto, and it's easier to add a major piece to and an existing Toronto ecosystem. essentially plugged him into their... Exactly. What they it's had. Like KD, they, they had a system. <laughs> it's like KD going to the Warriors. Exactly. Right? Exactly. And so they there was not a lot of thought into the chemistry aspect and is so important for basketball. I know that the a lot of nerds don't think it is, but you know, my favorite nerd Seth Partnow agrees on this. That chemistry right. is a, it's an unknowable quantity, but you know it when you got it and you know it when you don't. And the Clippers don't have it. So they've got to figure out a way to add that somehow. I, I think it's going to have to be a player. You know, I wonder maybe they'd be down for a reunion with Chris Paul. I don't know how they'd work that out, mm. but they need someone like that. Who can come in and and be that chemistry builder guy? Because they're just a collection of parts right now. They've got some really high end parts. That's great, but you know you're driving a beat up Pinto. Got to put the nice parts on a nicer car. Yeah, so. I I think you know the, the 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 guys have to work towards it. I'm of the opinion that. You know, even if you move on from Lou Will and Montrez, you move on from him, you, you find it because backup big is basically the most easiest position to find on the market on a pretty cost-effective deal. And so I don't think they'll be missing Montrez per se. I think they have enough there. They should bring back Marcus Morris, you know, if if just not just for the assets that they got rid of for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and the pieces for a highly competent offense there and defensively man Zoop was damn good defensively in the playoffs they have the pieces to be a competent defense it's competent to great defense i think yeah. they're right there i think it'd be foolhardy 
to do some sort of wholesale. We need to break this whole well, thing I think, up. I think Lou, Lou and Trez are gone. I, that's my that's my gut feeling on this. And and you you brought up Zoo. You know, they were better with him on the court. And I think that ultimately that is part of what got Doc out of there was that he was so loyal to his guys that even when they were not playing well, which Trez did not play well, he still stuck with them. I mean, we saw him even in that elimination game after the Nuggets had abused him. <laughs> he still was playing them. Yep. Yeah, I mean, and so, you know, ultimately that loyalty wound up, I think, cost him his job. But it's going to be – they've got an interesting offseason coming up, and it just – I can't imagine this was their plan when they had that great, quote unquote, great offseason last year. <laughs> I, <laughs> like, yeah, I, I got to hit the reset button again. I think that's I not think, great. I think, man, um, there are, you know, probably 26 teams that would love to be in the Clippers position right now, to be honest with you. Um, they're right there. They're knocking on, they're banging on the door of championship contention. So, um, I think they'll be fine. Yeah, it's not the end of the world. That's going to do it for today's show. We're very excited that the finals are here. We've got all your favorite podcasts, and everybody is putting out finals content all week. Of course, the Athletic NBA show. we got Hoops Adjacent that just dropped this morning. Tom Habershow, the special guest with Waz and DA. we got No Dunks. we got Point of Contention coming out Thursday. we got Nerder coming out on Friday, and we'll break down game one of the finals there. If you're not a member of The Athletic, now's the time to sign up. You don't want to miss all of our finals coverage and get all of our podcasts ad-free. Go to theathletic.com slash daily ding and you can sign up for $1 a month right now. Theathletic.com slash daily ding. Thank you guys for waking up with us all season long. Waz, send us home. Ding, ding, ding-a-lings. <laughs>